0: And if you want to succeed in this world, in this company, you have to make it look more difficult. You have to make it look as difficult as it is. And whether it's because the work you've put in or whatnot, your calmness, your demeanor, you know, the game slowing down, the quarterback in the pocket like can see everything in slow motion,
1: Ugh oh, tired man No I'm wiped like, up right? yeah. My brain is fried So this is gonna be a fun conversation <laughs> Do you have a topic? I don't We've yeah. done so well just riffing Shit, the last couple I weeks I thought I'd just I keep it going I'm fired up this morning
0: but maybe I I, I don't know if it's a, a good idea to, to jump into Um I do have a conundrum though What would that be? Um I've decided to uh, do a coffee membership. So like uh, subscription, I guess is the better mm-hmm. term, subscription service. So um, I found this coffee from Portland. It's, I think it's Stumptown, Stumpton. I don't know. Uh, in Oregon. It's delicious. I found it in my, my local grocery store um and they have a few varieties there um but i'm like man i i'm so consistent in my coffee consumption i just should have it (laughs) shown up to my door like it'd be cool if they offered a subscription service so i hit up their website and lo and behold they have a subscription service so like every two weeks i can get a new bag of of coffee beans freshly not freshly roasted right to Mm -hmm. my door super simple here's my conundrum um can i go grab it I think it's called, the one that I've been brewing the past couple months is called Founders Blend. Okay. It it is delicious. It's it's very vanilla-y, coffee, some like cocoa powder. It's just like this really smooth blend. It's just a really good bean, and I really, really like it. So I've been brewing it for the past couple months and I can order that. So every two weeks I can get a new freshly roasted bag of founders blend beans. However, they have this other one that looks very seductive where it's like the, it's called like founders pick or something like that. And it's basically, it could be beans that they offer for sale through their site, or it could be beans that they're like checking out. It's like, they're experimenting. It's like, do we like these? Are we going with a new Mm -hmm. blend? And so it's kind of like a mystery bag, like a grab bag of like whatever they're into right now. So it kind of keeps it fresh. So it's the Seinfeld issue where Banya is talking to Jerry about going to Mendy's for for the second time they go to Mendy's is like, now, now do we get the soup? Cause we know the soup's really good. Or do we get something else? I was like, on one hand, you know, if you get the soup, it's going to be really good, but then maybe you're missing out on something great. And Jerry's like, yeah, I get it. It's a risk either way. Um, <laughs> So I'm 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 trying to debate like do I go with the the mystery bag approach and get exposed to maybe some really cool stuff but maybe hit on some beans that I really don't like or do I go with the tried and true founders blend that is a delicious delicious coffee bean?
1: Okay, a couple uh, qualifying or clarifying these the, questions. These are the heavy hitting questions. We're coming. Yes, yes. <laughs> so let, let, let's dig into some discovery here and, and find the right solution for you. So you haven't signed up for the subscription. Yet. Not yet. You've just, you've just been buying the founders blend yeah. one off mm-hmm. where, you know, is the founders pick only available through subscription? Yes.
0: Now, yes. With an asterisk, meaning it seems like sometimes the pick could be something that you could subscribe to if you were to pick it, but it seems that other times it may be something that they may not have available for retail sale.
1: So founder's pick is not necessarily a blend. It's a hey, try this particular. Yeah, it
0: could be. It could be one packaging one month. It could be something completely different the next month.
1: Can you modify your subscription to say, "Hey, I'm going to go with the founder's pick," but if you don't like it, yeah. uh, you can go back. You can change. Sure. It. Yeah. You know what? Go with the founder's pick. Try mm-hmm. it two times, and if you're just finding like, yeah, it's just not your 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 cup of coffee it's not your it it doesn't fit your taste then switch to the blend you know it can't hurt to give it a try no it it can't in fact i've been loving the fact that we've
0: we've had this kind of coffee exchange Uh, i've had a couple friends so i had a friend in in san francisco send me some beans from his local roaster a friend up in Seattle, in fact, a guy that we worked with, um, at one of our clients, who's also a friend, um, sent me some beans from his local roaster. And Jim was kind enough to send me some beans from the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been so cool to explore all these different ones and I need to come up. I'm sad that I haven't like created a little database to document all these. Cause there was one, and I think the, you sent me two and the thing, the one I think I liked the most was called uh pirate's blend. The
1: pirate. Oh yeah. You like the pirate's blend
0: very tasty
1: yeah our favorite blend from them it's called the ocean city coffee company yeah it's the Shuby blend okay so i didn't try that one yeah i don't i don't know if we sent you that one No, That's, you
0: sent me the pirates blend and one called like i think maybe the sea boardwalk blend boardwalk
1: boardwalk yeah, blend. yeah. <laughs> okay um so one they actually do roast it on the boardwalk so they've got multiple locations they've got three on the island two on the boardwalk one on like kind of like the main drag in town and then they actually have a a location not too far from here like uh, Mm -hmm. in uh, media pennsylvania but like their main location is the one on the boardwalk and they actually roast it on the boardwalk that's their tagline and it's actually true because there was one time it was just like this is maybe going back five six years i just kind of needed to get out of the house and i drove down the walk on the boardwalk one night and it's the middle of winter so there's nobody there and you can see them in there roasting you just see the uh the steam coming off the building because yeah. they're roasting in you know so in the middle cool. of the night on the boardwalk and it's it's really, really cool. Awesome. so our, fa- our one of our favorite blends is called the Shuby blend and, and people who are not from this area are not going to get the term so you know, a little bit of uh local history here. so um it's Shuby is. You know, it, it, it's a not so nice term. It's it's been it, people have started to embrace it in, in you know more modern times, but going back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, it was a term that the South Jersey locals referred to the tourists as ah. because they would come down on a Saturday or Sunday in the, for the day just to spend time on the beach, yeah. and they would bring their lunch in a shoebox, yeah. so they called them shoobies. shoebies. <laughs> so you know, if you get referred to as a shooby down there, they're, they're making fun of you as a tourist. That
0: is awesome. Now I'm, now I'm wondering if like every kind of touristy
1: area has their own
0: unique term for tourists. Cause I, it, I think there's an episode of family guy where, um, leafers, leafers, right? No, leafers. Here come the leafers. All the people from New York, from Manhattan coming down, coming, no, I guess going up, right. To, going up to Rhode Island, going
1: up to Rhode Island. And, uh, and to look at the fall leaves the
0: leafers <laughs> yeah it <laughs> makes me laugh
1: yeah no I, I i bet you there is you go to any kind of like resort town or you know touristy place yeah you know, they, they've got their terms for for the, the the non-locals coming in yeah so
0: funny so funny uh, so as I, I should mention, as as kind as Jim is to send me amazing coffee, he's also devious in in other ways. I think you sent me like five pounds of taffy that was consumed in like three it was days. A one
1: pound. It, it was seemed like pound. a
0: tremendous amount of taffy. Yeah. it was so delicious and gone <laughs> so <laughs> quick. Similar yeah. from the board from the from the shore, right? Yeah,
1: it was another place on the boardwalk called uh, called Shriver's. Oh, it was so good. Oh, so delicious, yeah. and that's what I love about small towns. And what I think a lot of people actually, what uh, COVID has actually helped people embrace, mm. is with uh, the whole idea of remote working. Uh, so this actually gives us a good segue. What I love about small towns—I've got this romantic view of, of, of small towns. I eventually like we're in the, the Philadelphia suburbs, and I, at some point, I'd like to like move to like a, a like one of those old tiny towns somewhere you wanted, the, like, five right.
0: acres and some
1: like town yeah.
0: with a quaint main street
1: bingo like i i would love to because you know in, in and you see this in south jersey a lot with a lot of these small short towns while there's big corporate franchises and some you know that you can find there most of the places are mom and pop shops mm. so a couple of places you know we were just talking about where I've, I've sent you you know some of the stuff like these are places that have two, three, maybe four locations max, you know, everything is, is local. They're, 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 family owned. Um, And like you, when you're, when you go down out of season, like there's nobody there, it's nice and quiet. And I'm starting to ramble right now, but um, you know, you're, you're outside of just like the, the cookie cutter, the cookie cutter franchises. Yeah. You can find those those neat little places, the hole in the wall kind of places. And I know that you, you can find them in cities as well, but like the these small towns definitely have a lot more of them. And one of the things I, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times here and it might be something worth digging into. One of the things I've noticed since I'm an hour and 15 minutes away from, you know, like the these kind of resort areas, it's 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 a quick drive for us. where where we're located and it's kind of one of our things when the we just need to blow off steam when Mm -hmm. we just need to get out and get some scenery it's nothing for us to to jump in the car and even with the baby at this point we've kind of gotten into a routine where we can we can jump in the car and we can be away from the city and the suburbs and into the these quaint little towns very very quickly that's awesome Yeah, and and one of the things I have noticed though, like being in such close proximity, um, they're having right now a boom of an off season. Mm, I bet. Um, Like normally, so for for most of these towns, the the season runs from the end of May, at least the high season, end of May to beginning of September. But then you have people that have, say, have young kids on either side of that. It. you know, you'll have people who will come down for, um, you know, come down for like a bit of the extended season, but they're saying like they're having a boom of an extended season right now because people are working remotely. Kids are going mm. to school remotely. So they're getting off season rentals mm. and going down for a week or two. That is awesome.
0: How, how much of this is influenced from your
1: brother-in-law? Uh, I, I, I'm because not going to lie uh, that th- there is a bit of an influence there. Um, because like whenever one of his movies are on, we'll put it on. So of course, I'm yeah. Like, you're it, describing
0: it, a Hallmark movie.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no. Well, it's funny. A cousin of mine, uh, she got a job in like central Pennsylvania, and she jokingly calls the town Hallmark Pennsylvania. She's like, it is your total stereotypical, you know, town that a Hallmark movie is set in. Yeah.
0: So for those those listening that don't know, Jim Jim has a brother in law that is a uh, he's been in. A, a lot uh a lot of Hallmark movies, right? At,
1: yeah, at this rate he's doing like two a year. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Very cool. He was out in Utah in the height of summer filming a Christmas <laughs> movie, right?
1: Yeah, like they they're they're basically you guys were having a heat wave yeah toward the end of the summer there. I think and... when he was out
0: here was in the hundreds. Yeah. It was hot.
1: And so, of course, imagine trying to film a winter scene where you're in winter clothes, but it's like 100-some degrees. Yeah, brutal. The The funniest one, though, is um, – or at least the, the funniest premise was one that he shot like four years ago where it was about you know the, this movie star coming in and he's the, he's the mayor of this small town. So you have this movie star coming in to film a movie and taking, you know, the whole idea of them taking over the small town at Christmas. And they did the exact same thing. They basically took over the small little town in Georgia two weeks before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and we're shooting this movie about uh, a movie crew coming in and taking over a small town like weeks before Christmas. That's awesome. That's awesome. A little bit of inception going on there oh it was t- like i'm like the irony is not missed on uh, yeah. lost on me <laughs> uh but i mean you know in your area have you seen any of that like people taking advantage of the the remote conditions for both workers and students um and, and being able to go to places that they normally can't i know we talked to evan a couple of weeks ago yeah and right now he's taking the uh, the airstream out um every and, and every his, couple of weeks uh, and his new stove
0: he bought to go with the the solo stove to do his little campfires and yeah he's mm-hmm. living it man <laughs> Yeah um I, you know I I don't live in a very touristy uh area so I don't have any first hand kind of visual on it but if I if I look at my social feeds it appears that and it would be interesting to see the the park data if they were to ever share that it seems like um, interest in and spending time in the national parks, um, in Southern Utah has just exploded. And, and again, I don't know if it's higher than the normal and people are just sharing it more, but it seems like lots of people are going out into the parks. Lots of people are getting into backpacking, even like day trips, you know, short trips. Um, so it, it just, if, feels like a lot more activity in the outdoors is is happening um, Mm -hmm. uh, around here for sure and again I'm kind of getting that off of my social feed and seeing what people are doing but it yeah it seems like more people are taking advantage of the opportunity to just get out in nature a bit more
1: yeah and one of the things I've been wondering about is you know with remote school so with my wife who's a school teacher the the remote schooling has been synchronous so Mm. kids log on it got it 8 30 in the morning and then they go from teacher to teacher and then they wrap up at 3 10 in the afternoon or something like that mm-hmm. um i was as the, originally they were going to go back hybrid but then when they moved to remote i, I was kind of thinking like well, they were really smart they would do some kind of asynchronous learning yeah where you know like you plan a week ahead of time of what the assignments are and then you have like meetups and small group chats with students and students are able to do the work asynchronously you do your work asynchronously and then most of the time then during the day is for able to have one-on-ones or small group meetings with students to really get into those that that need the help instead of just talking to a zoom room of, of, of people um i'm curious though about like other school districts who did maybe some level of uh asynchronous learning
0: so that's definitely what we're we're doing. In fact, I don't know if you can hear it in the background. I can. My my five year old is doing his coursework right now. Um, so mm-hmm. he's in, in kindergarten. Um, some of his classmates. So we we have, and I can't imagine the extra burden on the on the teachers. It's it's probably a lot. I'm I'm sure. Um, but but we have a. We had an option, um, and a lot of his classmates are just back in school. Um, however, it was shut down for two or three weeks because the teachers ate, um, unfortunately, came down with COVID, so they, they shut mm-hmm. down the class. But he's been remote since the beginning of school year, and it it's um, she records the content ahead of time, and when he's ready, he can log in and consume it. Um, I've tried to force him to be on a bit of a schedule, and it's kind of morning times for him and when he does it, but it's not like you have to start at nine because that's when the class starts. It's it's all available for, for him on demand. Um, the teacher every other week has an office hour where you can go in uh, or you can schedule time with her and go in and just kind of talk about progress. But she's also been really great about just placing random phone calls saying, hey, just checking in, you know, how's he doing? Here's what I'm seeing. Um, and, you know, I know there's been lots of pushback. I know it's not perfect. It's it's hard on teachers. It's hard on students. Um, but he's really been been thriving in this scenario. And for, you know, for us where I'm not tethered to an office, we can do anything that gives us just that ultimate flexibility. If we wanted to, it's like, hey, let's, you know, pick up and drive down to Southern California for a few days and there's nothing stopping it. Right. Because mm-hmm. he can do school on the road. He can do and he's already kind of programmed to, to do that. So, um, for us having that, um, has been extremely valuable. Again, I, I know it's probably asking a lot of the teacher to kind of go in and pre-record and do that, but it's been awesome to have that available on
1: demand. Mm-hmm. No, actually, actually like that, that's exactly where I was going. So, so a few things there, um, you know, with, with a lot of the remote learning, I, I can't, uh, help, but think back to a conversation I had with Todd Shawman at the christian mm. science monitor um we've talked about it multiple times where a few years ago he and his family spent 11 months i think it was yeah in on the big island in hawaii and it was like their their long-term plan and i spent some time talking to him about it and his goal was that when the children were old enough they're, they're they, have, they have two children he and his wife um when the children were old enough that they would understand like the, the they're going to they're going somewhere different than they normally would be but not too old that it interferes with like high school like Mm. athletics and and things like that right finding that that perfect age you know his plan was is they were going to go live remotely for a year and they they end up going to to hawaii that that's the deal he was able to strike with with the monitor he worked remotely and then his wife um homeschooled them for that year Mm. and i remember at one point he told me he goes i don't know if your wife wants to hear this but there's a lot of wasted time during the day. I'm like, no, she would completely agree with you. There is a ton of wasted time. Yeah. And that's why I think like asynchronous work, you know, learning right now, like that, that's the one thing watching some of these school districts that haven't embraced it. I think it's, it's a missed opportunity. Yes, there is prep work that's involved. You have to be almost a week ahead of time. You know, um, we're recording your content the week before. So it's ready to go whether it's recording it, preparing it, and then making sure that you have time scheduled for, for office hours and one-on-ones. But yeah, I I think just trying to duplicate what's done in the classroom remotely, you're still wasting a lot of time. Yeah,
0: no, I, I absolutely agree. And, and again, it, it differs from school district to school district, and I'm sure even school to school or maybe even class to class, but um it, it seems like such an inefficient model. And and mm-hmm. I watched this last year with my high school senior son at the time um, where I would ask him, like he would come home with like, all of this homework, I'm like, what, what did you guys do in class? And it's like, it seemed like every time I asked him, he was like, well, my teacher was really busy doing something else. So we just watched him. They put on a movie for us or they just like, whatever. And I'm like, what are you going to school for? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that the teacher wasn't working because we would get home and he was using, um, and I think it's a popular platform called canvas. He's using it in college now because they're on remote and they're using canvas, but he would come home, log into canvas and his teacher would have had gone in there And it's very similar to what my, my, um, kindergarten student is doing right now. Like all of the work and lectures and assignments had been pre-recorded and built into canvas. And then, so it was almost like he went to school all day and then he'd have to come home and go to school again at night Mm -hmm. to get through all the work in canvas. And I'm like, like, shouldn't all this lecture and stuff that you're doing right now, shouldn't you be doing that during class time? And it and it's interesting. Um, I don't know how much. I think a lot of it's probably political. But there's this huge pushback now where it's like, oh, we're destroying our children. Like, won't someone think of the children? Like, education so important. I'm like, why weren't you guys caring about this? Like last year when you know I'm watching my high school students waste half their day in class, not not doing anything. And again, it's not the teachers. It's the it's the setup. And then come home and then have to spend five six hours a night doing classwork at home just to
1: keep up. The it, this is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like totally. And it, it's a total missed opportunity with just not just like academic learning, but to use a cliche experiential learning. Because that's one of the things with, with the conversation with Todd was you know, his, you know, his wife would plan out their the, the 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 children's school week and they would do their academic stuff, but then part of the day was them going somewhere and learning about the various you know uh, the, the the various parts of the ecosystem out there in Hawaii because you know with in certain parts of Hawaii you know you can go up to the top of a mountain in the morning and be bundled up and it be freezing and then drive you know an hour and a half and be at the beach and go go swimming because the the climate varies from location to location there and um you know so they would go out and and learn about the local culture the native culture the Um, the environment all of those different uh things and i'm I'm not i'm not gonna lie like if my wife's school district did some level of asynchronous learning like that we would be splitting our time between here and either the shore or some other location where you know we we would take advantage of my work setup her work setup and actually go places yeah and 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 instead of uh being tethered to a computer
0: (laughs) yeah and i and i think
1: I, I, I want to say as a whole
0: we' we'll move in that direction. I think for people that are in an, an advantage situation like I, I I absolutely understand that I have advantages that people don't have
1: mm-hmm. That
0: you know I, I I will be able to do that before the the masses are able to do that and I'm able to take advantage of that i I completely get that that that's not the norm but I do think in time we will start moving more towards that direction. We have to let go of the political, politicalization of homeschooling remote we have to let that go and then concentrate on how can we make this not only more effective but really more focused on what it should be on education and learning and and that's my concern is that too much of the debate today isn't talking about the actual learning component of it it's more the operational of we need to have kids in school because that's where they educate i'm like you're talking about the the, the the components, the nuts and bolts of it. Let's have a conversation about was that even working before and, and figure out how to make that work. Anecdotally, and you when you brought this up, it reminded me, I remember very little of high school from a course perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably floated way too much. Through, I, was, I was not a great student. Um, however, I had one class, which was an advanced geology course, Um, It was held in the summer. It was two months, and every Saturday morning, we would get on a bus and go to a different location and learn about things like fault lines, fossil layers, identifying different types of rocks. Um, One of the trips we went, we learned about Mohs hardness scale and learned about the different hardnesses of, of rocks and how they're used in applications like construction and mining and manufacturing to this day, I vividly remember not only the experiences, but a ton of the knowledge and lessons from that class, however many years ago, more than probably any other class that I took in, in high school, mm-hmm. like that one, the lessons and the knowledge is, are just burned into my brain. <laughs> Whoa, my chair, mm-hmm. i Uh <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm floating
1: backwards. Well, let's dig into that a bit, you know, like I kind of go back to what you're talking about, like the, the politiza- politicization of like kids in, in school instead of helping kids find the right system for themselves. Like, why, why do we need to focus on having them in schools? And I think that this yeah. goes along the way of along the lines of what, we, what we've talked a lot about with the way we as a group do work and trying to show like you don't have to be in an office to to get things done. Yeah. You know, as a contractor, no, we don't need to be on site 3 days a week to 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 get things done. You know, we're we're able to do that remotely. And I mean, for me, I think one of the things is is people don't want to consider some kind of asynchronous learning setup is that it's going to reveal like what school does. Yeah. And I'm going to say it, it trains the, you know, the, 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 current general school paradigm. And th- there's definitely people that are trying to break that. You know, I've, I had a great conversation last week with Stephen Marshall and we're going to really be exploring schooling and getting experience in, in future episodes. Um, but for the most part, like the, the whole point of, of school in many ways is to train people to be good factory workers. You're you couldn't be more
0: right. Um, and I think that the, education system in the United States is is very much lagging, right? It's 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 built to staff an industry that is long gone. And we can we can try to recreate manufacturing all we want in this country. It's not gonna happen. It's it's not where the future of this come this country is is headed and the school districts are just really, really lagging, like decades behind. Because you're right, I mean it is it is training them to be factory workers, and and not only that. If we say, well, you know, it's training them to be working business offices. Yeah, it's training them under an old archaic 1960s, 1950s style of doing business. Like those days are, are long gone. And I think the the kids that excel post um, uh, public education is not because public education worked. It's because you have these amazing teachers that say, screw the system. I know that that's what it's built for, but I know what's most important for my kids. And it's, it's usually one or two, right? Maybe you get an amazing third grade teacher, maybe you have an amazing subject teacher in eighth grade. And those few gems change the trajectory of kids careers. And I think that that's what that is what is making it work. Just imagine if we had a system in place that made more of those gems available, what we would be creating with mm-hmm. our, our schooling system. And I think a lot about, and I don't know if it was within the uh, setup or, or guidelines of the school district, but I remember a couple of years ago, your, your, your wife um, putting a campaign together to raise money to get a, a 3D printer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, giving that experience to her kids, it, it seems to be like something. So for, for background, my mom uh, was an elementary school teacher for 30 something years. Um, and I watched her spend so much of her own personal money to get things for her classroom to give her kids the experiences she felt they needed. And it was just completely outside the bounds of what like her playbook was for what she should have been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I and I have to believe that her students to this day probably thank her for doing that. And I think your your wife is probably very similar seeing some of the things that she's doing. She's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go with the flow, but I know what these kids really need and I'm going to push to make it happen. Those teachers are like the real gem and I think are the ones that are responsible for making these kids come out of the public school system
1: in a place to, to really do something amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's funny. You made me think of an experience from high school. So, so senior year I'm taking a science elective and, you know, taking an intro to, to physics course and the teacher, like up until then, every teacher from grade school through to high school you had like any any kind of you know mathematics or science course it was about rote memorization of formulas and theories and all of that stuff just pure memorization of it every test we would walk in and the formulas would be on the board you'd write them out in big letters here are the formulas that are applicable to the course and you know of course it's a shock to all of our systems the first time he does that and he goes I I don't care if you can memorize the formula. He goes, how many of you are going to be physicists when you grow up? Maybe one, maybe two. But if I can help you learn the concepts behind this, that will help you in any career you can go into, you know, how to think using the scientific method, how just physics concepts work. It doesn't matter if you remember the actual formula for, for deducing it, you'll get it. And it was, he was a phenomenal teacher, uh, Mr. Williams. And there was one time in class where he asked a question and calls on me and I just blank. And I'll never forget the question. The question is, is you have a loaf of bread. Why does a knife cut it? And why does a hammer smash it? And I just, I I blanked, I didn't know. So he was also like the, the moderator in the lunchroom, you know, when I had lunch. So he comes up to me and he's like, be honest with me. Did you not know, or you were you not paying attention? I said I didn't know. I blanked. I, I I didn't know. He goes, okay, then tell me that next time, and I will explain it to you, so that you walk away. And to this day, I remember why a knife cuts bread while a hammer smashes it. That is awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you need those teachers that that take it to heart and aren't there to just play the system, and and unfortunately, too many are that are like. You know, speaking of metrics and kind of getting back to our our world, too many are measuring to the their north star metric of like test scores and what's our average test score and let's just game the system and and it's about getting the kids to hit this metric. You you need these teachers to say, look, it's it's more complicated than that. You know, it's about it's about actually teaching these kids how to learn. And, you know, and we're we're being somewhat tough on on uh, on public schooling but this happens at the higher ed level you know i i vividly remember being in graduate school um and and observing so many of my classmates that were constantly had their name on the wall in the business building before their 4.0 4.0 perfect quarter um and i'm like i am going to destroy these people in the business world like they are not learning what's important to, in graduate school. Like they are, they are here gaming the system to get a metric. And I'm like, I can tell. Like they don't know. Like if the teacher were to call them, uh, you know, and say X, Y, and Z, they would say, "Well, the book says Z." That they would be right. But if the teacher would say, "Explain to me the fundamentals of why," they would they would draw a blank. They would have, Mm -hmm. how do you you got how did you get to that answer? How did you get to that? I don't know. Like I'm just following the diagram in the book, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, these, these kids are going to look back on this probably in 15 years and be like, why did I waste my time in graduate school? Just to get a piece of paper that said I was magna cum laude, you know, like I should, I would have been better off like learning during that, that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know i think man man, we can spiral this in so many directions there's you know the the past few years there have been huge backlash around higher ed um that it's a waste of time that the you know it's more you don't the return on investment isn't there and i don't i don't think i've seen too many take the argument of is it the approach that's wrong you know we're talking about the price of school we're talking about all this we're talking about well you can learn stuff in the real world Well, yeah, all of that is true, but I haven't heard very many people, if any, take the argument of, well, wait a minute, isn't, is the whole system just messed up that we're, we're, we're learning to a grade rather than learning how to learn and learning the concepts and learning how to think, how can you devalue that in any situation? And, and that's the way I look back on it. I, yeah, I mean, college isn't for everybody. Yeah. There's lots of different routes. Uh, I, I, I'm I pretty confident in saying I wouldn't be where I am today without my experience in college, without going to graduate school. What I was able to learn there put me in a position to do what I'm doing today. But I also took a very different route than a lot of my classmates at the time where I'm like, I don't give a crap about what my grades are. I did one quarter that because I got put on probation because Mm -hmm. I dropped to a 2.4 and I had to have a 2.5. So I cared to get it up to that level. But I really didn't care what my test scores were. I really didn't care what grades I got. I was truly there and I was paying it. I had a full time job. It was me paying it because I wanted to be there
1: because I wanted to learn. I didn't want Mm. I I wasn't there to get a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we, we could take that even further, you know, talk about, you know, you were saying people who were gaming the system in college. I mean, how many people do we run across in, in the business world where, you know, they game the system because they make themselves look busy. You know, they, they, they checked a bunch of stuff off of a task list that they presented to their higher ups. But they didn't really dig into what was the value of those things. Yeah. Oh, I got 10 things done while John over there just got one done. Yeah. It doesn't matter that that one item, you know, provided significantly more value, whether it's saving the company money, making the company money versus the 10 things that, you know, that other person did. You hear that and you wonder why so many businesses
0: are mediocre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. mo- most, most people, it, it isn't about, creating value for the team or for the business. It's what do I need to do to take care of myself and maximize my, my take home and my paycheck. And that's how most big companies work. It, It amazes me that there are so many big companies that are doing amazing, innovative things. When you see how just mediocre it is when they're like, just measuring to these, these nonsense things. And, um, it's tough. I, you know, we've we we've, we've. I think we've talked about this before, where we've used the um, the sports analogy of the game slowing down. I had this conversation with my my boss, my very first job out of college. I think I was three or four years into that job, and I was feeling more comfortable just being open and transparent in in kind of talking with my my leadership. and And I and I really remember one conversation. I said, "I'm like." why is it that I'm constantly struggling? Why is it that I'm always like on the edge of being a mediocre, you know, poor performer when it comes to measurements in the organization? And and a lot of my colleagues that I'm questioning the value they're creating for the company are always getting bonuses in the high performers. And, and I remember him vividly saying to me, the problem with you is that you just make it look too easy. Mm-hmm. And if you want to succeed in this world, in this company, you have to make it look more difficult. You have to make it look as difficult as it is. And whether it's because the work you've put in or whatnot, your calmness, your demeanor, you know, the game slowing down, the quarterback in the pocket like can see everything in slow motion. You can't act like that because it doesn't look like you're working hard enough. You mm-hmm. have to make it look like this is as hard as it really is. And I'm like, what kind of world am, am I living in here? And that, that was really the turning point for me where I, I knew without a doubt, I'm like, this is not the world for me long-term. It took me a decade after that to make any real fundamental changes, but I'm like,
1: this is, this is crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember one of the times I, st- you know, when I really started to realize that it was about optics in some organizations, yeah. in many um, organizations, Yeah. In many, many organizations. Um, I'm I'm several years in my career and I I was that person that may show up again, like working, you know, at that time I was working for an organization where it's like, you show up at nine, you show up at eight 30, right? You you're, you're in your desk working and people are looking around seeing like, are you actually working? And there was this one stretch where I'd be there until seven 30 at night. I'd skip dinner to get stuff done. But then one day I, you know, this is after doing that for multiple nights. I it showed up at nine fifteen in the morning. And my boss's boss, who I did get along with, still put me aside and was like, don't show up at nine fifteen, be here at nine. I'm like, okay, so it doesn't matter what I actually got done, how much time I actually spent. It's you're in your desk at nine. Yeah. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we've all experienced that. And that's that's been a huge driver um, for the anti culture of that that we've created at 33.6, right? I I mean, I, I experienced that at many, many companies. Um, surprisingly, Omniture was was one of them, where it was about the optics of being in your desk between certain hours. And I'm like, if I ever start a company, we are doing the opposite of of this. Uh, and that has been something I've been so passionate about building. It's like, there it, it's not about the optics of these set hours. You know, Jim Jim gets up and 3 in the morning working with the client in London. Should I be mad that he's not online at 8 in the morning the next morning? Like what what are we doing here? We need to actually look about look at what we're creating and what we're doing and it's just laziness, I I think. I it's it's laziness if 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 we're in management and we we're, we're counting people that are in our our desk between certain hours at some level that just speaks to you being a really lazy manager that you're not putting in the time to really understand what your, your team is doing a couple funny observations. And, uh, forgive me if I've shared these before, but a couple funny observations from my time at, at Omniture. So we were on AOL instant messenger. I'm sure security (laughs) experts are probably cringing about that. Um, and that's what we used to communicate internally. You got to think this was like, what, 2004, 2005? You know, Yeah, I used it. There was no, yeah, Slack, there was no Microsoft Teams. There was no, you know. So we were all on AOL Instant Messenger. And um, we had found out that the VP of the department was um, looking at the green dots to show if you were active or not. And the yellow dots to show if you're idle to, to basically take inventory of what people were doing and and how they were working. Uh, one of the engineers in the company wrote a little script that he distributed that you could install. that would basically make sure that that blue, that green dot was up most of the time. So it looked like you were there, even if you weren't. I thought that was, you know, people are always going to find a way around your stupid measurements. Mm -hmm. Um, the second one it just it was just so crazy um, we were told from from the VP of the department that the higher-ups in the organization um, that it was very important that we were in our desks at nine and we did not leave before six and <laughs> oh I'm laughing because it's just so ludicrous uh, someone in the uh, on the implementation team raised their hand and said I just have a logistical question um, my my I, I have a, a dentist appointment coming up. My dentist doesn't open until nine. Um, you know, what do we do in those occasions where we have something that just we can't we can't manage around? I I kid you not. This was said with a hundred percent sincerity. What you need to do is ask your dentist if they can open early or if they can schedule a Saturday appointment for you to get your your dental work done said with a hundred percent sincerity. I, (laughs) I'm like, again, like what, where am I? What kind of world are we living in here? Are you, are are you, are you just messing with me now, man? Like, are you being serious? Like, this is what Mm -hmm. we're doing. And they were dead serious. And it wasn't necessarily because it was the VP of the department's initiative. It was, I think they were getting beat up by their senior managers saying, Wait a minute, why why would I walk through the floor that half the team is missing at two in the afternoon? You know, you need to get your team in order. Instead of saying, Well, wait a minute, let's talk about how well your client your your team is onboarding our new clients. How satisfied are our clients? Why isn't that the conversation? The conversation is, well, I walked through the floor and
1: I didn't see the team, so they must be doing a crappy job. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, to, to kind of start to tie it back to where we, we started with some of this stuff and talking about, you know, wasted day, you know, wasted time in, in the school day, you know, it, it's just something that becomes ingrained as, as long as you're in your desk, you know, it doesn't matter if you're wasting time or not, you know, it get, you know, um, God, I'm, I'm trying to correct using, you know, as my filler word. And I'm trying to correct, uh, I'm trying to correct using, right, right, right. <laughs> Um, but but you you see, it's just something that becomes ingrained that we're we're here to spend this time at a desk instead of focusing on the experience, the experience of learning, or the experience of whatever product or service we're supposed to be providing. Yeah. Hold on, this and I mean, I don't have a solution to it. You know, everybody's got to take it. You know. It, no. Oh, Sorry. everything okay?
0: Yeah, this this thing.
1: Oh, look at the little puppy. Yeah. <laughs> she was mad. Like um, she was left alone. And I mean, I don't, I don't have a solution for it. You know, everybody's got to find their their own their own answer to it. And maybe it's one of these things that, you know, people's exposure to working remote and yeah. whether it's it's spending more time in a resort town during the off season, when the crowds aren't there, um, to being able to, if their kids are learning asynchronously, they make part of their day, you know, some kind of experience that you're taking them, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to go be a part of, you know, maybe, you know, the current situation, one of the good things that can come out of it is, is exactly that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if we're not in the environment of working shift work, we have to get out of the shift work mentality. Um, and in, in, in so much of what we do in the knowledge space, whether that's knowledge work, whether that's knowledge from an education standpoint, um, most of that, most of the time is not shift oriented. Um, yeah, if you look at everything that we're doing, I mean, as we started this conversation schooling is, is often looked at as shift oriented and it, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be, <laughs> this is, this is a challenge. Um, <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah, that's not gonna work. <laughs>
1: um, it's like, come on, I, I'm, I'm ready to play. Let, wrap up your little recording work. there.
0: Do we have to do? Do we have to do podcasts? We have to go. Oh, I have a Simpsons donut here. Nice. Simpsons donut here. Um, we have to break out of that mentality, and I think one of the good things about. Um, the pandemic and everyone being remote work is that that's happening. That's being forced, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I just said, right. Uh, with, with everybody being rem- remote, you know, we're not going in the office. We're not in the office nine to six anymore. And so it's, it's kind of forcing that breaking of that shift work mentality, which I think is, is a really, really good thing. Um, I would like to see more organizations having that conversation. Yeah. All the, all the conversations around how do we do remote and support that, 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 that's great. But let's talk about breaking down barriers that were there before that didn't need to be there any longer. And that's one of the ones that I'm most passionate about. It's like, this isn't shift work. What now you want out? The joys of working from home. Yes. Um, So there you go. You know, I,
1: I, am I'm, I'm all discombobulated now. So, well, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up for, for, for now. I mean, I, I've really liked the last couple of weeks coming in without a specific topic. Yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll definitely get back to, to thinking through and planning some more episodes, but I like how we're, we've been able to just kind of pull hopefully, a conversation out of our ass.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully listeners like it too. I, I again, you know, even though we've had specific topics and guests in the past even in those occasions we've we've not overly structured it and i and i want to i'm glad we're staying true to that because it's one of the things that and it's not a bad thing but it's one of the things that um for me personally whether it's podcasts or just entertainment in general you know especially as we were in this big boom of reality television is that everything was just overly scripted and fake and plasticky and and forced and forced right and And I think ultimately people, and it's hard to pitch it to a network executive or someone that's building a big podcast network, but I think ultimately people are missing just that realism of, of life, you know, and what are even the reality, you know, the reality TV is anything but real. And we wanted to keep it that, you know, we didn't want it to be forced. We didn't want to have these pre-scripted questions that we thought out. It's, you know, I think the concept that when you, John, and I talked about it was, what if someone walked past three guys in a coffee shop talking analytics, what would they hear? You know? And, and that's kind of the the vision mm-hmm. I've always had in my head of, of how we, we make this work. So
1: yeah, good stuff. Totally. Yeah. I've enjoyed so these. So cool. I've enjoyed these. Yeah. Good stuff. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. They've been good. So yeah. cool. We'll go ahead and wrap up from now. Um, and we'll catch everybody later. So, yep.